Today is Wednesday, December 21st, and in the news we have President Zelensky to visit the U.S. and make speech before Congress, Congress to pass 1.7 trillion omnibus bill, pork, 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 that will include over 45 billion to Ukraine in assistance. Zelensky is here to collect, and Trump is facing backlash for hosting the log cabin Republicans at the Mar-a-Lago from evangelicals and uh, the Christian community. This is the Log Cabin Republicans. Uh, it is an LGBT uh, Republican group. They were at Mar-a-Lago, and people are not happy. With that, let's jump into that first story. So this is what Zelensky, uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine had tweeted uh, just a little bit ago, um, or rather yesterday, December 20th. At uh, 10 p.m., it says, on my way to the U.S., to strengthen resilience and defense capabilities of Ukraine, in particular at POTUS. Uh, and I will discuss cooperation about between Ukraine and the United States. So weird that he's like using the uh, the flags instead of just saying the U.S. Uh, I will also have a speech at the Congress and a number of bilateral meetings. So obviously he showed up today. He's actually already there. Uh, this is the Hill. It says Zelensky to address Congress amid rising fears of massive Russian winter offensive. So I'm sure as you guys already are well aware of, uh, at this point, I was just reading a report earlier. We've donated over or given over $100 billion over to Ukraine already. Uh, I actually just posted uh, a tweet that said something. Uh, let me see if I can just pull it up here real quickly. It says, uh, mostly at Mostly Peaceful Memes, it says, that GOP wouldn't fund a $5 billion border wall, but have happily sent $130 billion to Ukraine over the last nine months. Just soak it in here, guys. But that is where we are today in clan world. But uh, going back to the, the hill here, it says Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky will make his historic visit to Washington, D.C., on Wednesday, at a critical time in his country's war with Russia, as Ukrainian officials warned Moscow is massing upwards of 200,000 troops for a renewed offensive within the first three months of next year. Ukraine has urged the United States and other allies to ramp up weapons shipments for the winter fight, a call sure to be reinforced by Zelensky during his visit, which will also include a meeting with President Biden. And we actually already, I was watching this a little bit earlier, he's already met with President uh, Biden, um, uh, somebody said, you know, make sure to wear a suit. He was not wearing a suit. He's still kind of dressed in kind of like camel attire, I guess, um, uh, kind of signifying that his war is at uh, or that his country is at war. I suppose it was kind of like wearing a, a green camel looking uh, or green just sweater. Um, and, and then it looked like maybe like, I don't know, cargo pants or something like that. I couldn't really tell. I, I just kind of cu cut a glimpse of it. Uh, but he did meet with President Biden, and the pictures are all over the place, of course. This is his first visit, I think, to the U.S. since the war broke out. So uh, it says, Ukrainian forces have appeared to stall out in routing Russian forces from occupied territories since it launched a lightning counteroffensive in September. The Russians are preparing, uh, uh, quote, the Russians are preparing some 200,000 fresh troops. General uh, Valery Zal, I'm going to sure I'm butchering this, Saluz Saluzny. The head of Ukraine's armed forces told The Economist, I have no doubt they will uh, have another go at Kiev. So basically what we're, you know, regardless of what how you feel about the war, you know, I, I think that we are watching billions and billions and billions of dollars being sent over to Ukraine. There, there's a lot of rumors and, and, and people talking in circles about how this basically is, this is not the best time right now. <laughs> You know, and, and, and I get it, you know, war doesn't pick the best time. It just kind of happens, you know, and and I think that people are just angry that we continue to send billions overseas and, and people are struggling here, you know, myself included, you know, our family struggling. We, we were, you know, I, I've said this often, I'm not shy of it. You know, we, we continue to, to to bear the brunt of inflation costs and, and, and you know, everything is more expensive. Raw milk, for example, just went up. It was 15 bucks when I first started buying it. Uh, I think a little bit over a year ago for a gallon of raw milk. And now it's gone up to like 17 bucks. And even then it was already inflated high enough. And, and, you know, Americans are struggling right now. This is not the best time. It's not the best time to buy a home. It's not the best time to sell a home. It's not the best time for inflation. I mean, you know, American families are struggling and, and now we have this omnibus bill, 1.7 trillion. And, and we're in it within it. We're pledging another 45 billion to Ukraine. 
I think it's safe to say, you know, everyone feels for Ukraine, you know, and especially the Ukrainian people. You know, again, there's a lot of rumors that there's, you know, money laundering and where is the money going? Uh, I remember reading like an article about this saying that, uh, you know, a major percentage of the money that we've donated over to Ukraine, a lot of it is not accounted for. We don't really know what happens once it hits Ukraine and then where that specifically goes, right? Uh, on top of sending not just money, we're also sending uh, a lot of arms. We're sending, you know, um, uh, yeah, I believe jets. What I think that was like something that was in there. It says Ukrainian officials are concerned that long drawn out war attrition to keep the medical Congress proposed forty five billion in emergency funding for Ukraine. Uh, this is again that and um, but yeah, we've we've given lots over to Ukraine and again, it you know I think we can all feel for the people, uh, not just you know uh, of Russia. It, it, when it's when it comes to war like this, guys. We understand that the people that suffer the most is is the civilians. I don't think the civilians want this at all uh, on either side. No, nobody wants this to be happening. Nobody wants war. Nobody wants to be drafted. Nobody wants, you know, billions in aid to be able to just sustain itself. And, and, and of course, here we are, the U.S., uh, basically the bank of the world, uh, just kind of having to give up our, our U.S. citizens who are already struggling. And listen, I'm not, I'm not, you know, uh, one side or the other. I'm not, I'm not, you know, for whatever reason, whenever you bring these issues up, these real issues of struggling families that, that are barely making it by, that are living paycheck to paycheck, uh, for whatever reason, when you bring that up, you know, people are trying to like, oh, oh, so you're pro-Russia. No, it ha it's not about being pro-Russia or pro-Putin or, or anti-Ukraine or anti-Zelensky. Again, the people that suffer during all of this is, of course, innocent civilians, the ones that never signed up for this, the people that never voted for this to happen, people being bombed, the people being killed uh, innocently, you know, and, and, and this all has to do with the Russian government. This all has to do with the Ukrainian government. And, you know, regardless of where you lean politically, doesn't matter if you're pro this or anti that. I think it's fair. It's a fair assessment to say Americans are suffering. Here we are, pay, you know, again, living paycheck to paycheck. Here we have the highest inflation on record. Here we have the, you know, uh, the, the, I think it was like the highest uh, federal hike as far as interest rates and in, in regards to being able to buy a home. Less people are buying, less people are selling. I mean, it's just a very volatile uh, economy right now. And and for us to be sending uh, billions and billions overseas, you know, you would think that the war in Afghanistan never ended. You know, I think I saw like a tweet at one point where it said, you know, the, the, the war in Iraq or the war in Afghanistan might have ended, but the money being sent overseas has definitely not ended. And I think that Americans are getting fed up. I, I see this in both sides. I see people that regardless of what political affiliation they are, it doesn't matter if they're pro one country or the other or anti one country or the other. People are really pissed off. And and then you have people like, you know, Mitch McConnell uh, out here, which actually I'm going to pull that up here for you guys. Um, Mitch McConnell basically yeah, coming out saying that the number one most important thing right now is uh, helping Ukraine. And so this is Mitch McConnell here in his in his own words, making sure the Defense Department can deal <clears throat> with the major threats coming from Russia and China, providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians. That's the number one priority for the United States right now, according to most Republicans. That's sort of how we see the th challenges confronting uh, the country at the moment making sure and there's the uniparty being the uniparty right i mean look man i you know i posted this on my socials it's no secret that you know i'm a conservative a, a lot of the people that follow me are also conservative and and they're angry registered republicans follow me registered democrats follow me and everyone's angry like wh what do you mean senator mitch mcconnell that this is the most this is the number one priority for the united states according to republicans what Republicans like you and, you know, the Uniparty, you and like the, the Lindsey Graham's and, and 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 the Kevin McCarthy's of the world, like what, what Republicans are genuinely saying to themselves that there's no other priority more important right now than defeating Russia and, and making sure that we continue to send billions in aid over to Ukraine. I know American Ukrainians that I've interviewed, that I've talked to, that said, okay, what what the heck is going on here? What Why are we having a fork over billions and billions, tens of billions, while the economy continues to crumble, 
while Americans continue to live paycheck to paycheck, while we continue to struggle to make ends meet? What? Why are we continuing to do this? And it's just absolutely insane. Again, this has nothing to do with being pro or anti anything. This has everything to do with the reality of things. And the reality of things is that families here in the United States are struggling. There's no reason why we should be sending billions over in these proxy wars. And, you know, what's really interesting is I called it the proxy wars at the very beginning of this. And even like libertarians were trying to fight me saying like, this isn't a proxy war, bro. I'm like, no, 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 that, that's exactly what it is. Like, here we are with Ukraine and, and we're sending billions and we're sending weapons to fight Russia. But th th that's literally what proxy war is. It's, it's, it's you not it's you saying like, I'm not going to enter this war because we want nothing to do with, with fighting Russia. But then you're arming the country that is at war with them. And then you're funding them as well. I can't think of any other country that's done more for Ukraine to fight this war than the United States. Now, granted, I understand that we're, you know, first world country and we are the leaders of the free nation. But you also have Americans that you need to listen to. You also have Americans that are demanding that things change here domestically. So it's so it's easier on us. It's easier on the pump. It's easier when we go to buy eggs, milk, whatever the situation might be. People are overwhelmingly angry at this. This is what people mean when they say the Uniparty. They mean the Uniparty because they're not putting the interests of the American people first, the constituents that these people are supposed to represent. This is why you have people like Harmy Dillon that are running for the RNC chair because, you know, I, I was actually at the uh, Turning Point event this, these last four days. I mentioned it on last week's podcast that that's where I was going to be. Uh, I was going to be attending the Turning Point uh, USA AmFest as a VIP guest. Uh, you know, thank you to Charlie Kirk and, and the TPUSA uh, team for inviting me out there. Uh, it, it was a really good time. But Harmy Dillon was out there, too. She got invited to the, to that. And and if you haven't, by chance, uh, listened to the last uh, Tim Pool uh, podcast, he did a live stream, uh, a live show there. Yeah, Charlie Kirk, uh, James, um, conceptual James, uh, he goes by that on Twitter. I don't really remember his last name. I apologize. Uh, Charlie Kirk was there, Luke uh, Wojowski, and then Ian, and then who else? Oh, Steve Bannon was on there as well. But they, they ended up inviting... Um, Harmy Dillon to to Turning Point and they had her on the show and they were basically asking her like, hey, why is it that, you know, you, you you're, hey, we heard you're running for RNC chair. Well, what's going on? You know, and this is exactly what they're talking about. They're saying that the current Republican leadership is out of touch with its constituents. Harmy Dillon rightfully said that these people continue to live like if it were like 2003, 2004. This is like the Bush era Republicans. These are the neocons. These are the war hawks. These are the old establishment of the right. And, and these people need to go away. Now, she didn't specifically say, you know, that that's what Ronald McDaniel is or uh, that's who, you know, people like Senator McConnell, McConnell here or, or Kevin McCarthy, although she didn't have favorable things to say about them. But this is what she meant. She meant that, you know, the, the, these are the people that, again, the uniparty, the people that still believe that this is what Americans want. Imagine being a Republican, uh, that, you know, you're, you're able to harness these moderates or, and these libertarians and, and, and you believe that the, the, what the party really wants is billions more in a proxy war. Like this, this is just absolute insanity, you know, and, 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 and it's like Army Dillon said, you know, that's what the definition of an insanity is, is that you continue to do the same thing over and over again. In this case, we continue to fund these proxy wars. We continue to be involved globally. We continue to be involved in foreign affairs in places we should not be. But of course, the personal interests of the Biden regime, the Biden family, his son, Hunter Biden, business dealings, all these boards that he sat at and, and what these have to do. So, of course, now here we are. Right. But imagine being like the leader of the Republicans and thinking, oh, yeah, this is exactly what Republicans want. What Republicans? Because myself and others included and the majority of my followers, my audience Tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people are listening and saying, this is not what we want. And you, you go to Twitter, you know, where, 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 where people are able to also relay this message and say, hmm, is this really what we want? Is this really what we're advocating for? And I think the answer is a big fat no, of course. So I, 
these people need to go away, man. Like they need to wake up, smell the coffee and realize, hey, this is not what Republicans want. Maybe it's what some Democrats want, but B, you're out of touch. Why are we continuing to do this over and over and over again? And so with this, you know, Zelensky to come out here and then, you know, I, I kind of said this kind of like jokingly, you know, and again, this is not to disparage the Ukrainian people. What I'm talking about is specifically with the government. When I say Americans, it's mostly the U.S. government, right? I, I, I've, I'm with the people that say like, hey, this is not necessarily us. This is the American government. There's a lot of Republicans. There's a lot of patriots that, you know, I, I, it's kind of like that meme that goes around uh, whenever, you know, people are pissed off at the government and says, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be an American, but I'm ashamed of the U.S. government. And I think that sentiment resonates with a lot of people listening. But then now you now here you have, you know, the second story says here's what's in the one point seven trillion Federal spending bill. This is by CNN. This was posted yesterday, updated 5 p.m. yesterday. It says, CNN, Senate leaders unveiled a $1.7 trillion year-long federal government funding bill. This is the same funding bill that happens uh, every year, by the way. And it says, early Tuesday morning. And what it means by early Tuesday morning, I was actually watching uh, Senator Rick Scott um, out of Florida. Rick Scott? Yeah, I want to say it's Rick Scott. I don't know why I keep thinking Scott Rick, but it's definitely Rick Scott. Um he posted that the bill was sent to them at like a one in the morning and then they're supposed to be voting on it like sometime today. And of course, the bill packet or the package for the bill, what, what's all in it is it, who has time to read that. Right. But inside of it, one thing we do know that is in it, and I'm surprised that CNN actually mentions it, is is that we have 45 billion pledged in emergency assistance to Ukraine and NATO allies. Oh, yippee. So here it is, uh, you know, again, going back to the article, the legislation includes $772.5 billion for non-defense discretionary programs and $858 billion in defense funding. According to a bill summary from Democratic Senator Patrick Leahy, chair of the Senate Committee on Appropriations, the sweeping package includes roughly $45 billion in emergency assistance to Ukraine and NATO allies, boost in spending for disaster aid, college access, child care, mental health, and food assistance, more support for the military and veterans, and additional funds for the U.S. Capitol Police. According to Lee's summary, and one from Senator uh, Richard Shelby of Alabama, the top Republican of the Senate Appropriations Committee. It also includes several major Medicaid provisions, including one that, would, that could disenroll up to 19 million people from the nation's health insurance program for low-income Americans. And then, of course, this is what I was just talking about. It says, however, the bill, which runs more than 4,000 pages, left out several measures that some like lawmakers had fought to include. And this is kind of goes into the nitty-gritty of it. But imagine having 4,000 pages to read through, and then you have to vote on it, and it's $1.7 trillion. And, and $45 billion somehow is being allocated to Ukraine and NATO allies. I was, I was reading a report earlier, and it was talking about how you know, for those of you kind of keeping track, we've already sent Ukraine, whether it's in weapons packages or whether it's in aid or weapon aids or whatever, over a hundred billion dollars since the war started. This is actually insane. A hundred billion dollars. And again, I, I just can't help but reflect on that tweet by that at, uh, the at mostly peaceful memes. Says the GOP wouldn't fund a five billion border wall but have happily sent 130 billion to Ukraine over nine months. That's 130 billion. I don't even know if that includes the 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 fresh uh, 45 billion in emergency assistance that we're about to send them. You you have to be looking at this and you have to be telling yourself this system is not only broken but it's corrupt. We're still trying to find out what's going to be happening at FTX, right? That crypto. Uh, a company with uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, who, by the way, is being extradited into the U.S. And also, by the way, by the way, there are reports that he is going to be sent to the same jail as uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, you know that guy. I just sure hope that they fix the security camera problems. And I sure as heck hope that they have hired new security guards who don't fall asleep at the same time, by the way, which I think a lot of that has been debunked. And also, who cares if it has or hasn't? Because 
who really believes the initial story there, right? Oh, Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide which in, in, in a highly secure prison, in, 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 in an individual jail cell with security cameras and security guards. Yeah, okay. Uh, this, is, this is just kind of getting to the point where, again, I, I talked about this before, where people will be fed the truth and people will just stop caring. And that's a dangerous place to be. When you continue to tell people like, hey, this is what is happening, and people are just like, well, nothing's going to happen. Who cares? That's a very dangerous place to be because this is kind of how like dictatorships come to rise. You you have like these parties, right? These political parties, whether it's left or right or the unit party, whatever, that continue to make empty promises. These people continue to run on, on the promise of, uh, you know, accountability. I see what you're talking about. I hear what your your complaints are. I promise accountability. I, I promise transparency. Then they get into Congress. Then they get into the Senate. Then they get into presidency and nothing really happens. So then what eventually is going to happen is you're going to have Americans that say, well, who cares anymore? Right. And we're already in a dangerous place as it is with uh, voter integrity. A lot of people just don't trust that system anymore. So what's going to happen when you have one specific person, doesn't matter if they're left or right or who knows? No, maybe be independent. Promising people not only accountability, but they're promising public hearings. And, uh, you know, if you if you just help me get in there, like I'm going to make the, 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 the most, you know, obnoxious, astounding, you know, promises and follows through with it. And then that person ends up getting so much support, so much so and creates so much change and actually follows through with their promises that that person says, hey, um, not only am I looking for re-election, and I know that you guys love everything I've done, but maybe we should just change the way elections are done. And, and maybe I should run a third time. And, and you know, because I haven't been able to finish up like everything, you know, and those are those are that's a dangerous territory when you have, you know, this kind of nation, these people that have kind of stopped believing in the system, stopped believing in, in, in justice. They're, they're reading what's happening. Clearly something here is wrong with, with, with the way things are done. $1.7 trillion, uh, you know, federal government funding bill, and, and $45 billion are going to Ukraine. And then there's rumors and reports that a lot of that money is being funneled back to U.S. politicians in the way of campaign contributions. I read today also that like something along the lines of five billion dollars were donated to Joe Biden's presidential campaign by Sam Bankman-Fried, you know, you, you know, the guy that stole money, you know, or allegedly we don't know yet. Of course, that's why he's being, you know, convicted and, and, and tried and all that stuff. Well, we'll re hopefully we'll really find out before he gets put to sleep by himself, apparently, um, you know, but um, no. I, I, and, and look, you know, I, I, I'm not one of those people. I'm not like a pessimist. I'm not the kind of guy, the kind of guy that, you know, says, oh, nothing's going to happen. I, I pray things start changing, you know, and, and I really hope that, you know, whether it's Kevin McCarthy, whoever leads you know, Republican Congress uh, for the 2023 session that, that that does bring real change, whether it's subpoenaing people and, and trying to find out what's really happening behind the scenes and, and and calling these people over to Congress. But even again, going back to even the turning point event with Harmie Dillon, she, she said it herself, like, look, it's one thing that, you know, that pisses her off or, you know, she said this, you know, pisses me off is that here in 2017, 2018, we, Republicans controlled everything, right? Senate, the House, the presidency, the Supreme Court, and, and nothing really changed. And, and she was talking about with in regards to censorship on media, censorship on Twitter, tech, all that stuff. And she said, you know, what the Republicans did, what the Republican Senate did, and all I can think about is really Ted Cruz. That That's like the face of what I see when, when I remember that they, they just sat Mark Zuckerberg, sat Jack Dorsey down at the Senate hearings and they were just lecturing them and waving their finger and like, how dare you? And this is an infringement of the Constitution and blah, blah, blah. And then even Harmeet Dillon said it herself, which I was very surprised she said this. But then literally that same week, they went to like these private meetings to collect their paychecks by big tech. 
So the, here they are, you know, like finger waving at these folks, uh, you know, saying like, hey, it's wrong what you're doing. Please stop censoring us. Why are you censoring Republicans? Why are you censoring our constituents? Why are you censoring journalists? But then literally that same week, they're, they're going to these campaign fundraisers and they're collecting money by, by Facebook, right? So it's like, how honest can you really be if you're taking money from the same people you're pretending to condemn publicly and that, you know, are hurting uh, not, not just the First Amendment or, or not just, you know, the people of the United States, but the first. These people literally think they can get away with this. Why? Because they can. Because if you're just there waving the finger at them, but you're also collecting paychecks from them, then then how how how, you know, how can you really say that you're going to fix the problem if part of their problem is you receiving money from them, that makes no sense at all. You know, like it's like, you know, if I was a legislator and I'm like, hey, I don't like Grey Goose vodka, you know, and I promise that we're going to ban Grey Goose vodka and, and, and no more Grey Goose vodka in the United States because isn't it like Grey Goose made like in Russia or something? Is that like a thing? I don't know where it's made. I don't know. Yeah, well, whatever. You know, if the stipulation is like we're no longer allowing like Grey Goose Vodka because it's made in Russia and, you know, we're at war with Russia by proxy. So we're going to ban it. And then that same week, I'm like at a private fundraiser and like Grey Goose Vodka is like the sponsor. And they're like, you know, in public, like, hey, here's your money. Here's your check. You know, and I'm like, OK, like something's wrong here. You know what I mean? Like how accountable am I really going to hold them if, if I'm you know, publicly doing one thing and then in private or in secret or at these private fundraisers, I'm receiving money from these same people. And, and I want to say that it's probably not going to be highly likely. Right. But uh, with that, we'll move into this last story here. This is going to make a lot of people angry. Blah, 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 blah. I know, I know, I know. Um, but uh, it, it's got to be said. You know, I, I posted this on my Telegram. People got upset. People were saying like, ah, blah, blah, blah. But I, I'm just going to share the news with you. I'll show. I'll share a little bit of my commentary, my two cents, and then, hey, you can take it for what it is. So Donald Trump, Carrie Lake played to the gay, <laughs> played to the, why did it say it like that? Play to the gays. Um, but it plays to the LGBT community at the Log Cabin Republicans Gala. So it says here, you know, Log Cabin Republicans held their annual Spirit of Lincoln dinner at Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate where the former president promised to fight for gay rights. So it says uh, playing host to the Log Cabin Republicans annual Spirit of Lincoln gala at, the, at his Mar-a-Lago resort in Palm Beach, Florida. President Trump pledged to fight for the gay community, touting his record as president as favorable to the community and celebrating societal progress enjoyed by its members. Quote, we are fighting for the gay community and we are fighting and fighting hard. Trump, who recently announced his intention to reseek the presidency in 2024, said in a speech that received a standing ovation from those in attendance, according to Politico. Quote, with the help of many of uh, the people here tonight in recent years, our movement has taken incredible strides. The strides you've made here is incredible, he added. The gala, which uh, the gala, which celebrated uh, progress for the LGBTQ community, including the Respect for Marriage Act, which was signed into law by President Joe Biden just days prior to the event, offered the former president an opportunity to solidify his bona fides among a small yet often politically and financially powerful group of supporters, while contrasting himself with potential rivals for the Republican nomination, such as Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. So, of course, they're going to throw in the Ron DeSantis stuff. You know, uh, this is something that the, the media continues to play up is the whole Trump versus DeSantis, even though outside of Trump tweeting a couple things with DeSantis and obviously putting up poll after poll every single week saying like, hey, I'm still ahead of Ron DeSantis, just in case you guys need a gentle reminder. Um, but Ron DeSantis has not announced. He's also not not said he's not going to announce, if I'm not mistaken. i kind of been out of the loop for the last couple of days because I haven't in Arizona. So that might have changed, but who knows? Um, or, or maybe I skipped something where he talks about that. But um, it, it is actually this next sentence here. It is kind of important to say. It says, while Trump did not specifically mention the Respect for Marriage Act in his speech, the Log Cabin Republicans has since 2016 proven eager to embrace Trump for being the first Republican presidential nominee to support St. Sepp's same-sex nuptials before being elected and to actively campaign for the votes of the LGBTQ community. So obviously this is going to have evangelicals, this is going to have Catholics, Protestants, uh, kind of up in arms, uh, which is kind of like what's happening here. You have uh, Dr. Taylor Marshall. Uh, I, 
I believe his story is that uh, he was a previously Protestant and then he turned into a Catholic uh, and kind of practicing theology and studying up. And I, uh, but it says, it says here, Archbishop Vigano criticizes or Vigano. Uh, I am part Italian, by the way. I should know how to say this there. Uh, <laughs> uh, criticizes Trump for LGBT gala. And then if you go to it, it actually gives you kind of like a brief description. Horrible I'm not going to play it. Okay. So it looks like he's actually live right now. And then uh, here you can see, you know, uh, for those of you just kind of listening, it, it, the, the picture that's being spread is Donald Trump with the LGBT flag. And then, uh, but I wanted to just kind of go, okay. So it says, in this video, Archbishop Carlo uh, Maria uh, Vigiano uh, criticizes President Donald Trump for attending the recent LGBT gala. Archbishop Vigiano argues that the event signifies the moral decline in the U.S. and the growth of the deep state. Former President Donald Trump uh, recently hosted a gala for homosexual Republicans at Mar-a-Lago after Biden signed the so-called same-sex marriage law uh, or Respect for Marriage Act. Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigiano, the former apostolic nuncio from the Vatican to Washington, D.C., has historically advocated for President Donald Trump in defense of the president's fight against globalism, the Great Reset, and the pro-life cause. However, Vigiano has recently criticized Trump for his open promotion of LGBT advocates in the wake of President Biden's Respect for Marriage Act. Dr. Taylor Marshall explains Archbishop, et cetera, et cetera. And so there they are. I'm actually going to, I'm probably going to be tuning into that um, today. I, I kind of want to hear what his like, thing is. But look, this is where a little bit of the commentary is going to come in. So if you don't really care for what I have to say, uh, well, you're here. You're stuck with me. So it is what it is. But obviously, you guys know that, you know, Protestant myself, I grew up Protestant all my life. My mom, uh, ex-Catholic. And um, I completely agree with this uh, with this priest. And, and I think it should be publicly condemned. Absolutely. You know, somebody tried to come at me and say, like, oh, like, why are we still doing this? It's 2022. Why are we, you know, still condemning people and this is not? And, and, you know, to that, I say, I think that that's always just been the problem is that the church, most importantly, stopped condemning or stopped kind of being unified in the global condemnation of, of, of sin or the normalization of sin or whatever it is. People continue to insist that maybe it's time to kind of drop that whole, you know, Bible thumping. And, and maybe we should just kind of appeal more to what the world and, and, and what the secular, you know, government has constructed. And, and, and maybe we should be more tolerant. And this is not. And I think that that is what has led us to where we are today with with the acceptance of, of, of all this normalization of sin and, and degeneracy and why our society is, is declining and, and why I'm having to share all these videos of drag queen story hours in conservative states is because it seems like the church has given both the church has given up church members have given up there's real no outspoken leaders any 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 at all left and i'm not going to be one of those people i'm not going to be one of those people that just kind of like sits around like ah, oh, well you know what uh, if this is what they want then, then it is what it is uh, i i think that's something that i've kind of uh, had to beat myself up over is in thinking that I'm not qualified or that I am not uh, theologically um, uh, well-spoken or or that I am not good enough to kind of represent, you know, the church or, or Christian values. And this is one of the stupidest things I've come to, to realize about myself is how harsh I've been on myself to, to think that my opinion is not as good as a priest or as a pastor or whatever it is just because I lack perhaps, you know, um, uh, the, the, the going to school and the degrees or whatever. Absolutely. This was one of the dumbest things I've done to myself. But now, you know, I, and I think it's important. And the reason why I'm so outspoken, the reason why I'm so fierce in this battle is because, again, I think that you have men that are completely weak. I think that you have a lot of men and a lot of women that have compromised, a lot of people that are complacent. I think the church has been destroyed. I think the church has been subverted. This is what they should be actively fighting all the time. And look, at the end of the day, I don't think that anyone is here to bash one specific person over the other or say, hey, stop supporting this person. But when people make bad decisions or when people do bad things, especially if they are leaders, which is why this is so important. People always say like, oh, my God, like, who cares? You know, I'm like, you're right. Like, if this was, you know, like some guy, you know, running for for like whatever, you know what I mean? Like no, someone no one's heard about. But when you're talking about the leader 
of the conservative movement, when you're talking about the leader of the Republican Party, the only real political party left for conservatives, the conservative movement to kind of attach themselves for, and, and this continuous, you know, inner fighting, and, 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 and I've said this from the beginning, this is not about Republican, Democrat, this is about good versus evil. And good should always be fighting against evil. It doesn't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter who it's going to offend, doesn't matter how unpopular it is. You know, I was reading uh, something the, uh, a couple of weeks ago. It said, you know, bad is bad. Evil is evil. Sin is sin. It doesn't matter what majority or what percentage of Americans or even the world leads to believe like, hey, maybe that was bad 100 years ago, but it's no longer bad today. It doesn't matter if it, you know, like the truth is the truth, no matter what. It doesn't matter if 85% of people believe a lie. That 15% of people that believe in the truth doesn't make it less of a truth just because less of society is becoming accepting of what the truth is. And I will always and unapologetically raise the alarm and say, and, and say, hey, this was a stupid move. This is a really bad move. I think it's, you know, look, I, I, I think it's awful that you have someone like President Trump that is that, you know, it's, it's one thing to kind of like maybe show up at an event, but to host them, to have them over at Mar-a-Lago, to be there, to be a speaker, you're, you're sending a message to the rest of the conservative movement, right? And, and, and I think that, you know, for, for what it is, this is something that, you know, it, it, it has to be resonated. It says, do, 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 do. Uh, President Biden just days prior to the event, this is going back to the article, it says, offered the former president an opportunity to certify his bona fides among a small, talking about the log cabin Republicans, which is a Republican group for the LGBT members of, of, of the Republican Party, among a small yet often politically and financially powerful group of supporters. So th this is where, like, I have a problem with, with things, right? So I remember a while back, you know, Bruce Jenner uh, that was running out here in California for governor. And, you know, since disappeared, don't, don't see him fighting for Californians anymore. I know that he complained that there was too many homeless people around his private uh, jet that he flies around. He doesn't like that too many homeless people hang around the hangar where his plane is, is – is, or that his buddy's planes are kept. I, I, I know he must still kind of be um, – uh, fighting that every single day, you know, how, how awful it is that their private jets, you know, are, are there too many homeless people around his private jets. But um, uh, it, there were some conservative leaders kind of coming out and saying like, oh, we must support, uh, you know, Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner. Uh, and, and, and then you had this conservative leader. I'll never forget. I was tuned into a, an Instagram live. And this person really said that you cannot win California without the transgender vote. And I'm thinking to myself, what, how small of a percentage the, these people really represent, not just in California, but just nationally, and really sitting there with a straight face as a conservative thought leader, as a conservative activist, and telling the people, telling your audience, telling everyone listening on that Instagram Live that the only way to win California is the transgender vote. I don't think I've ever heard a more stupider comment or analysis, political analysis ever made by someone of that status. I'm not going to name the person, but if you know, you know. But that's going to be one of the stupidest things ever because, again, even here, which I, I'm assuming that this uh, article is kind of pro uh, against this, just kind of talking about, you know, the LGBT rights, blah, blah, blah. Um, it, even they say, like, this is such a small group of people. But for whatever reason, they're so powerful. So I'm kind of curious to see, like, who's funding these people, right? Like these, these clubs, because it's like I, I know Hispanic clubs that Hispanics are going more and more Republican. They're a larger demographic. They're soon to be the largest voting demographic in the entire nation. That's what everything is predicting. And, and, and yet these people don't have as much funding as this very tiny, minute. And so this is an analysis by Petro Gonzalez. Uh, he, he is a uh, humble magazine salesman. <laughs> this is his... Uh, thing on, um, on on Twitter. This is uh, if you follow him, but he's a writer for Chronicles uh, magazine. And I think that he put this really well. And this is his analysis on the whole Lincoln Club. And, and I think Pedro has fair points here. And, and I'll just break this down here with you. It says after Biden federally codifies same sex marriage and empowers the regime to persecute Christians, Trump promises to fight for quote gay rights at a Mar-a-Lago 
event while hosting the Log Cabin Republicans, who recently attacked the grassroots Texas GOP for being too socially conservative. Heaven forbid that our own party is too conservative. He goes on to say, Trump is to the left of most Republicans on this issue. You cannot claim to oppose the regime. You cannot claim to be anti-gay while advancing the banner of the regime's religion. The log cabin Republicans attack Matt Rinaldi of Texas for faithfully representing the socially conservative views of Texas Republicans. They launched a full court press that demonized Rinaldi, but it failed. These are the people Trump is hosting. And then he, in replying to, uh, to somebody, it said, you know, the log cabin Republicans, as evidenced by the centering of their sexual identity and their politics, are GOP leftists, which that is correct. But Pedro says this is correct. The purpose of the log cabin Republicans is to move the GOP further left on the sexual revolution and to browbeat the socially conservative grassroots scene with the LGBT nonsense. And Trump is acting as their vehicle. That is correct. He goes on to say it's not just that Trump uh, is indistingu- it's not just that Trump is indistinguishable from Biden on this issue. It's that he is elevating the log cabin Republicans and LGBT ideology to a level it has never seen on the right. The log cabin Republicans tried to destroy a grassroots Republican movement in Texas because it was too socially conservative, and Trump hosted him at his winter White House to celebrate quote gay rights. Does it feel like that's what we need right now? More LGBTism. To defend Trump, however, you have to accept the left's moral framework and language, as this person has done. Everyone hoped Trump had learned something after all this time. He hasn't, and he's leading people off a left-facing cliff. If your only defense of Trump starts with, but DeSantis, you're actually admitting that Trump is indefensible here, and you've got nothing else to offer as an argument except yelping about a guy who is not presently running for president as the... Uh, anti-establishment candidate and that's where he ended his thing i highly recommend if, if you know if your political views align with mine if the commentary does if you're a christian um then i would highly recommend pedro gonzalez he's really good his analysis are really good as well i i read that thread and i'm like no yeah that's definitely me as well but uh, again you know people say like dude what's your problem with like that community per se i have no problem really with with a specific person you know it, the bible teaches us that for we do not fight against flesh but it's against legions you know it's the spirits that we are fighting against it's it's ideology really and then you know i went into in debt with with this last week where i was talking about cultural marxism whether you want to admit it or not, whether it sounds harsh or not, the LGBT community and and, and, and all that, uh, or rather the LGBT agenda, rather, um, it, that's all part of cultural Marxism. It is, it is a way to deviate away from God, natural law, God's law, and basically implement a kind of like altered or, you know, live and let live society. We're like, hey, man. That's not our business. Let's just try to join where we can and, and and fight what we can. But the thing is, is like Pedro says, is what's happening is now you have two parties that are basically becoming more in common than they are growing further apart. So if the left is becoming so tolerant to the point of like now they're okay with Drag Queen Story Hour, now here we have the GOP who just 10, 15 years ago was opposed to gay marriage or same-sex marriage altogether, now they're saying like, oh, no, 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 we're totally fine with this now. I have no problem. It's just I'm not okay with the drag queen stuff. This I'm okay with, but that over there, no, I'm not okay with. Whereas opposed to, like I said, 10, 15 years ago, both parties were against this, right? So it seems like, like Pedro rightfully says, the aim of this uh, of this agenda, of these small group of people who are powerfully funded somehow are... That's exactly what they've been installed to do, to move the cultural fight on the GOP away from church values and morals and more into the secular side of things, saying, hey, maybe you should abandon, you know, tradition and conservatism and and abandon them because we small group of people, we can help you win. We can help you. And this is where, like, again, I have a problem with it because. That asinine comment of you need the transgender vote to win California is coming from a group of people who, instead of being more morally righteous, instead of trying to do what's best for, for, for the movement as a whole, 
what God demands of us. They'd rather secede to this small group of people in, in the hopes of being able to win politically. And I always say this often, you know, I, I said it just today on my social medias. I said, never compromise your morals and your values for the sake of votes. The reality is, and this is the harsh reality, and this is something that the GOP and the RNC just continue to fail at. The reality is, if you put together board meetings, if you put together these committees, if you put together, how can we win more of the evangelical vote? You would probably win elections a lot more than catering to a small percentage of people. But you'd rather forsake those values and morals. You'd rather forsake the gospel in order to appeal to a small percentage of people who are making demands and taking over. I'm not okay with that. And that's not okay. Like, no one should be okay with that. But here we are kneeling to these people. I've always had a problem with it. I will continue to have a problem with it. And it needs to be called out. If you want to live and let live, if you're okay with the way things are going, if you really think that the future of not just a party or politics, but of America is to continue to secede and is to continue to compromise and is to continue to try to find that happy medium of like, look, man, like I'm not okay with it, but I'm willing to be okay with it if you just leave me alone. The people, the people that want to win will always beat the people that want to be left alone. I say this often. And the LGBT agenda is now in the GOP. And they're now at Mar-a-Lago with one of the most powerful people, if not the most powerful person, within the GOP. Again, think what you want. Say what you want. If you think this is divisive, whatever it is, I don't care. I personally do not give a flip at all. It like really what you think, if those are your, your real thoughts. If all you care about is winning politically versus not losing your morals and your values and ensuring that the GOP, the last real political vessel that we have as conservatives, as Christians, is just willing to compromise and, and basically bend the knee to these people, to this small yet somehow powerful group of people, and, and this is what's going to become normal now. And then this is the way the direction is headed. I mean, what 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 are we going to look like, not just as a nation, but as a party 10 years from now? What, what, what If we continue, and this is, again, proven, not just in this, but historically, that culturally both parties are going further left and left and left, where now on the left you have cultural Marxism, and on the right you have... Oh, well, you know what? We don't necessarily agree with this, but this is the way we must move in order to win, to win those small percentage of people. Focus on the evangelical votes. What is your plan for, to, for harnessing more Catholics? What is your plan for harnessing more parents? What is your plan for harnessing more Hispanics, which are the second largest demographic in the nation, which also, speaking as a Hispanic, we're not on board with all this. We're not on board with based gays. We're not on board with based transgenders like Blair White. We're like that has we want nothing to do with that. Not as Christians, not as a culture. Like and so what's your selling message to people that can actually really make a difference when it comes to voting? And I'm not saying this out of like a place of hate. I'm just I'm real I'm genuinely curious. Are you really losing willing to lose the vote of people that are not willing to compromise morals and values? Are you willing are you really willing to drive Christians further away from your political messaging because you want to pander to a small percentage of people? And now you have priests that supported you and supported your candidates saying like, hey, this should not be happening. This shouldn't be the future of the party because this is what the left does. You want that, you go to the left. And I'm sorry, log cabin Republicans. Sorry if you're pissed off that the Democrats turned their backs on you, but you destroyed that party. Go back to it. Go fix it there. Don't demand, don't make demands of a new political party that has historically been very conservative and say, no, you need to change your worldviews. No, we're going to campaign against you. No, you need to stop being such a conservative Christian, you Bible thumper. That's not who Republicans are anymore because we say so. No, that's not the way it's going to work. 
And, you know, I hope that before 2024, Trump really gets it together, man. He's losing more and more in support. Since I posted that story about Donald Trump out there, you know, Mar-a-Lago with the Lockhart Republicans, a lot of people have a lot to say about that. And now you have, hey, it's one thing, you know, for voters and people are like, oh, who cares what the voters say or, oh, what, like maybe 2% of his base is going to be angry about this. But now you have outspoken priests and church leaders that have historically backed Donald Trump now saying like, hey, this is not good optics. You shouldn't be doing this. Why, why are you doing this? We're not going to support you if you do this. And, and I, you know, hey, we got a year and a half left, two years left before. Yeah, definitely not a year and a half left, but like two years before or at least a year and a half before the primary, the Republican primary in 2024. This 100% will affect Donald Trump and the support that he gets. You know, those those votes add up. And if you foolishly think that it's just one percent or two percent of people that just don't agree with this ideology, you know, uh, that, that think like me or whatever it might be, I think you got another thing coming to you. But, you know, time will tell. Again, I, I think it's fair for, you know, Dr. Tedder Marshall, the priest, for people to call it out. Be like, hey, man, not cool. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's one thing to to kind of champion and uh, free speech and, and, and champion like equal rights and, and champion, you know, hey, you know, we're the party of liberty and this is not. But to, to actively, you know, seek these opportunities and to promote and to normalize and to say like, you know, you have no bigger ally than than me and I will always fight for marriage equality and all that stuff. And all that, and that's where that's where you're going to lose people, man. You know what I mean? And and and. I think that he stands to lose more support than he is to gain support from the very small, tiny, tiny percentage of people that will support him because of what he says. And especially if more and more leaders raise raise their voice and say, like, hey, man, you shouldn't be doing this. Then all those leaders and all their followers are going to be like, yeah, yeah, you know what? Maybe you're right. But uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Maybe leave a comment down if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're wherever you're watching this. Leave a comment. I kind of want to hear what what you have to say about this. I know that this is something that, you know, it gets into murky waters. And, and if you're going to comment, it's probably going to be from an anonymous, you know, account because you're scared, you're too scared, you know, to, to post from your real account with your real name, with your real picture. That, that's fine. You know, it, it is what it is. Um, and, and, but I just want to hear kind of like where your thoughts are on this. And, and if you think this is actually going to be damaging to him or not, but uh, with that, We'll end it there. Uh, you know, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we oh, uh, special announcement: uh, the Trust God merch uh, is also now available for youth sizes. Some of you had reached out and said, like, "Hey, can you make some for uh, sizes for the youth, for the youths?" Uh, my cousin Vinny, uh, pun there. Um, and so we we actually launched that as well. So if you use promo code Christmas, you get ten percent off. If you like what we're doing, you know, there's links down below on how you can become a member. You can become a member of my Instagram page. You can become a member on YouTube. You can become a member on Patreon.com, five dollars a month. Um, for as low as five dollars a month, you can continue to uh, help us grow and what we're doing here. If you like, uh, make sure you. Uh, if you like what we're doing again, uh, like and subscribe as well. Leave a comment. Love to hear from you guys. But with that, I will see you guys tomorrow Thursday. God willing. God bless. See you guys.